Welcome to Everyday Strong, the podcast that teaches parents, teachers, and other caring adults how their everyday loving actions can help their teens cope with anxiety and depression. Hi, everyone. I am here today with Katherine Johnson, who is a LCSW, a licensed clinical social worker who used to work at Wasatch Behavioral Health. Um, she is one of the best early childhood experts that I know of in our community. And I love having her on the podcast. This is like the third or fourth time we've had her on. And every time it is just pure gold. So thank you for being here today, Catherine. Thank you, Michael Ann. I appreciate it. Yeah. So today we wanted to kind of pick your brain on um, what do we do with those situations where, let's say, for example, um, we have another parent in the household um, and they, you're not in agreement, right, about how to handle a certain topic. So um, let's actually go to like a really difficult one, like maybe drug use. One parent is like, heavy you know we need to maybe even call the cops on them the other one is more like soft love like just support them help them through it and like they're kind of feel like they're in conflict what do we where do we even start with this conversation i i think that that is a really good question of course all your questions are good questions but (laughs) um it all boils down to communication Mm-hmm. And uh, the parents need to be on the same communication wavelength, mm-hmm. and they need to talk about what their reaction to this is, and mm-hmm. what they would like to, um, how they would like to deal with the child, mm-hmm. and then try to compromise between calling the police and just saying, "Oh, it's just um, a thing that they're going a phase. through." Yeah. And so I think it's really important to get on that same communication wavelength mm-hmm. because sometimes that heavy person, which I was the heavy person, mm-hmm. uh, I want results right now and we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And whereas my husband was the kinder, softer, let's mm-hmm. step back and take a look at this approach, mm-hmm. it helped me mellow out and it helped him like he could begin to discipline uh while I'm mellowing out and not mm-hmm. being that mean person that would immediately call the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I would have in that, but I'm, I, I probably would have back then. <laughs> and so we could talk about what do we need to do? Does mm-hmm. If they have a car, maybe we need to decide that they can no longer drive the car mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're not being safe. It's not mm-hmm. that we're being mean and punitive. It's that... Mm-hmm. You're we're not being safe. You're not making mm-hmm. safe choices, and someone that mm-hmm. is using drugs is not safe to be driving. So mm-hmm. you look at things. You look at things like the safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we how do we help our child understand that what we're talking about is safety and helping them to be safe rather than we're just trying to be mean. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, I have a really good example. Yeah, my my dad had a sports car with just a bench in the back, so just two mm-hmm. seats. Only two mm-hmm. people could sit in it, and it was a um, convertible. Mm-hmm. And one winter, he was in the hospital, and he was going to be discharged the next day. And my mom wasn't going to be able to pick him up, but he could drive himself home. So I put my bike. Uh, so it was cold. That so the top was up. Mm-hmm. I put my bike in the back of the car. I thought I was really smart, and I drove the car to the hospital. 
<laughs> and uh, got my bike out and locked it up and went up to give my dad the keys and talk to my parents. And my mom said, just just wait, um, just wait for just a little bit and I'll take you. You can ride home with me. You don't need to take the bus. You can, well, I'm almost done. And I said, oh, I don't need to ride home with you. I brought my bike. <laughs> and my dad <laughs> said, did you put the top down? And I said, no, I just fit it in. It fit in really well. And he said, that wasn't safe. I thought it was safe. Now thinking mm -hmm. of, at my old age, thinking about that, that was really unsafe because mm -hmm. I couldn't see mm -hmm. out my mirrors. I couldn't see yeah. the, you know. Yeah. And so he said, because I wasn't safe, I wasn't allowed to drive the car for a month. Oh, wow. And my, and my mom felt like that was really not, that was really harsh on mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Well, harsh on her because she would have to take me everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they had the discussion about it, and I was not, she was not allowed to take me anywhere. That for that month I couldn't drive, I had to find my wow. own rides. Wow. And um, at the time, it seemed so mean. <laughs> but now that I, I just realized he was trying to, to get me to remember that I needed to practice mm -hmm. safety all the time. That mm -hmm. I, just because I could do something didn't mean I should do it. Yeah. Isn't that an interesting, out mm -hmm. of all that, that I learned? And my mom, it was hard on my mom to watch that. But they talked about it, and he, and he and she agreed that I did need to learn that because it was kind of a stupid thing to do. <laughs> yeah, and, totally. <laughs> well, and, and so you I, know, Go ahead. No, yeah. So I, so I think that having my parents do that and talk about it. And my dad died not a few years after that. And my mom and I were able to talk for a long time through my mm -hmm. life about why that happened and what I learned from that. And that she did feel bad, but she had talked to dad and they had come to an agreement that, yeah, that was, that was an okay um, consequence for my behavior, but, mm -hmm. the, but it shouldn't have been her consequence too. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah, why right. I got. To, that's why I got to find my own rights. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Totally. It makes so much sense. Well, and kind of spinning off of that. So I was having a conversation with a really dear friend of mine this past week, and he has. <laughs> this is so often the case. A son who's living in his basement <laughs> doesn't want to leave, um, and the son is like on the computer, like. 24 7 he like lives and breathes on the computer and my friend is like I am I am literally afraid that if I like take away his computer like like genuinely I, I'm afraid he might take his own life like that is how much he's relying on this as a coping mechanism um and he's like I just try to be supportive I just try to be there for him I just try to like you know help him feel safe with me and there's this instinct that I have where I'm like but yes, also, you need to be the parent here, right? Because this kid is, I think, like 18 or something. And he's clearly not able to think clearly that, like, for example, the bike shouldn't go in the back of the convertible, right? Right. And, and so, like, how do we kind of interweave this where we, like, you know, we want our kids to be responsible. We want to teach them. We want to give them consequences. But also, we want to make sure that they feel safe with us and they can talk to us, like, What's the weaving of those yeah. two things? I think that I think that that is so important, and that is communication again. Mm -hmm. So he's in mm -hmm. the basement. He's probably mm -hmm. graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, he should be getting out on his own, but he's not mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. 
for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And I think it's communication again. If he doesn't have any um, neurological problems mm-hmm. that's keeping him there, I think talking about when you're 18, these are the things mm-hmm. that you're responsible for. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say you have to be responsible for all of these things, but let's uh, right now, mm-hmm. but let's talk about how you're going to incrementally mm-hmm. uh, be able to take care of yourself because you can't mm-hmm. live with us forever. Mm-hmm. And it could be, well, I want to live with you forever. Well, I know you do, but it, but that's mm-hmm. not good for you. Mm-hmm. So let's decide, is it a part-time job? Is it, mm-hmm. there's so many things I could think about. Is it, is it cooking our meals for us? Is it paying mm-hmm. a little bit of rent? Is mm-hmm. it, um, what, what increment, I mean, if you think of all the things you're supposed to do when you're 18, <laughs> like you can drive. Well, driving mm-hmm. means that you have a job and can pay for your insurance and your gas. You mm-hmm. can uh, move out on your own. Well, you need to be able to pay your rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you w- can eat what you want to eat. Well, you need to be able to cook and buy mm-hmm. your food. And you go down all the things that kids say, well, I'm 18. I should be able to do this. Like, you can't boss me around. Well, you're right. I can't. Except for when you're living in our home, mm-hmm. we need to negotiate how this is going to look because it's not mm-hmm. okay to not have a job. It's not okay mm-hmm. to not leave the basement. It's not mm-hmm. okay to be on your computer all the time. Mm-hmm. I agree. What Taking his computer away is like... Um, Especially if he bought it when he's 18, that's, <laughs> you know, that's going to be a huge fight. And why would you want to have the fight? Mm-hmm. But maybe helping him find a job that he can work on the computer. I know that sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. encouraging that. But but build on his strength so that he can become mm-hmm. independent. And it's about you, us helping you become independent. We want mm-hmm. you to be independent. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to be dependent on us. But if you're dependent on us, then... You have, there's all of these expectations. Mm-hmm. If that, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think that helping parents n- negotiate that um, in a very loving, kind way. I wouldn't mm-hmm. go down and say, we're going to have a talk right now and this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. would be, you know, I'm really concerned about, mm-hmm. about you. I want you to learn to be independent. Uh, you seem to need to spend all of your time down here. Let's talk about what are some of the things that you could do to um, show us or to show yourself, more importantly, mm-hmm. to show yourself mm-hmm. that you can be independent mm-hmm. and then and then work from there. And everybody, everyone, family's um, goals or ideas are going to be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But I, I have a friend who has an, a neurodivergent child. Mm-hmm. And she's turned 18. Mm-hmm. And um, she does use the, um, she will say, well, if I can't do this and I should just go kill myself. Mm-hmm. And she knows that that will get everything. Well, I, when I talked to my friend, mm-hmm. I said, you know, if you're letting her drive, when she says that, you have to, you have to say to her, I'm really sorry, but that's not safe. And so... Mm-hmm. I will be taking the car keys and you will not be driving as long as you feel mm-hmm. that way because I need to keep help you stay safe. Mm-hmm. And instead yeah. of going, ah, how can you say that to me? And what are we going to mm-hmm. do? And if we take the car away, she's going to, yeah. uh, it's like, we need to help you be safe. Yeah. And I think there's like actually like a common like, um, like thread through all of this, right? Like whether this is like, um, you know, like your spouse who doesn't want to do the same, who doesn't want to like 
discipline your child in the same way or a child who doesn't want to do the same thing that you are asking them to do. Like, I feel like we're always coming up against this conversation in Everyday Strong and in mental health. And it's always like this sense of like, yep, turns out you can't make other people do what you, what you want, right? Right, right. And it's always this constant um, way of like, how how are we going to negotiate? How are we going to compromise? But most importantly, something that feels really important to me to be conveying to parents and teachers more and more is how do we stay clear in what matters to us, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And it's like, you know, like, I want them to feel safe with me and I want to have a really good relationship. But their physical safety is actually the layer on the Everyday Strong Pyramid right below emotional safety. And that has to come before the emotional safety. And when when I know that for myself, like... It doesn't mean I'm going to do it completely correctly, but at least I'm centered in like what's within, they call it locus of control. Right, right, right. right. And so I, yeah. I think, I, I think that, that that's exactly, that's exactly where we want to go. We want to think, mm-hmm. how do we talk in negotiating ways and kind ways mm-hmm. instead of demanding expectation mm-hmm. ways? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have my 12 year old grandson staying with us. And mm-hmm. for some reason, he didn't get the message that after his dad left, he'd be here for two more weeks. Oh. So we are oh, no. two nights into the two more weeks. Oh, that's a long <laughs> time when you're it's, little. It's a long time. And he is, during the day, he is, an, it's wonderful. He's just wonderful. He's mm-hmm. independent. He's smart. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. he can entertain himself. He told us he was on vacation, so he wasn't going to be making new friends. <laughs> I'm on vacation. I'm not going to be doing this. It's just, it's, he's a delight, but at nighttime, it's kind of hard. But yeah. why, what, I, what I was saying is, if I say to him, okay, Andy, I need you to do this and this and this, then he's like, he will push back. No, I don't want to do that. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, but if I say, how much time does your mom and dad usually let you have when you're playing a game on your phone? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's negotiate. And he's really Mm -hmm. honest with me. Okay, that sounds Mm -hmm. fair. Or um, like uh, grandpa is going to need some help. So what what are the things that you want to do this morning? And these are the things that grandpa needs help with. And how can we make that work so you can do what you want to do and you can help Mm -hmm. grandpa? That was a bad Mm -hmm. example because he'll do anything my husband asks him to do. (laughs) That kind of thing. He doesn't like to leave the house. He's kind Mm -hmm. of a homebody. And so I went through a whole list of things that we could do. Mm -hmm. And this yesterday we went through the whole list kind of to plan out the two weeks. And instead Mm -hmm. of telling, okay, on Monday we're going to go to the library. On Tuesday Mm -hmm. we're going to go swimming. On Wednesday we're going to the butterfly fly biosphere. Mm-hmm. I laid out all of these things in this morning. He got up and he told me the four most important things he wanted to do. And that's mm-hmm. really all he wants to do. And all the yeah. things I thought would be fun and he would uh-huh. just have a great time. He's like, and so <clears throat> that the same thing with chores, the same thing with mm-hmm. expectations is if you will help, if you will go over what you need and what mm-hmm. they need then you can come to some kind of a uh, compromise. And a lot of times mm-hmm. parents want to say, well, I'm the parent. I should be able to tell them what to do, and they should do it. Mm-hmm. And that would, be that. Really, <laughs> <laughs> that would be really nice. But, but you know something? Children are humans, too. Yes. And you don't want to be told, okay, Michael Ann, now after this podcast, you're going mm-hmm. to go and wash your floor and then you're Mm -hmm. going to go back to United Way and you're going to put these flyers together. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be told that. You You want autonomy. 
you, yeah, you know all those things and you want to do it in your way. And so mm-hmm. I think with a child and also with a spouse, to be able to talk things out and negotiate becomes a really important um, skill to have. Mm-hmm. And I think that parents, it's really important for parents to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. not to be like, I know if I ask dad if I can do this, he'll let me. And if I ask mm-hmm. mom, she won't. So mm-hmm. I'm going to ask dad and do it. And mm-hmm. I can watch the fallout between mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And and so it's really important to to be on the same page and to, um, and what if there is fallout that the kids don't, um, don't hear, not that they don't hear you disagree. Sure. Because it's good to hear you disagree and come to a compromise, but they don't hear you fighting about it, that you go someplace else to fight. True confession of a, you know, five-year-old and a 35-year-old woman's body. I often do this with my two bosses. I'll play them against each other. Well, well, Jack said I could. <laughs> and I, I know Bill listens to this podcast, so there's my secret about how I play my bosses against each other like parents. <laughs> But I mean, kids do. Kids they do. do. And so yeah. and uh-huh. so, I know so many times a parent will believe that the child just uh-huh. said something. And uh-huh. well, dad said. And uh-huh. so for mom to go and say, hey, um, this this just happened. Can you tell me your take on it? Because I'm not quite sure what happened. And if dad says, yeah, uh-huh. I did tell him he could do that. I didn't see yeah. any problem with it. And then talking it out. Well, I had told him earlier that because he had not mowed the lawn, he couldn't uh-huh. do that. Well, I'm glad to know that because he'll go do that and then I'll make sure that he mows the lawn because yeah. I don't want to undermine you. And then I don't feel mm-hmm. undermined because he's going to get it done mm-hmm. eventually. Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of give up that control piece. Like, well, I wanted mm-hmm. it done now. That was yes. really hard for me. That was the super hard for me. If I wanted something done, yeah. I wanted it done now. And yeah. with kids or spouses, you have to be patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if... Yeah, well, I, th- I think a lot about, you know, so our needs that we talk about in Everyday Strong are safety, connection, and then competence. And I think competence is the the part where you get to make your own decisions and you get to figure out your own problems and how to solve them. And um, a lot of times, I think two things happen. One is that we underestimate that this is like a genuine need other people have to feel in control. And so we're like, why can't you just do it my way? And like whether or not your way is correct, it almost doesn't really matter because the other person also needs to have that need met. And then secondly, as we're trying to build that need in children, um, you know, the more we let them like make as many decisions as possible within our parameters, the more they're strengthening that muscle so that they can be the kid who moves out when they're ready to move out. And this is just, it's so hard to do, but I, it feels it feels essential, I think. Well, it is essential because, I mean, you more kids, more adult children live at home now than ever before. They don't mm-hmm. want to move out. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we actually experienced a child that uh, didn't want to move out and had no mm-hmm. desire. And mm-hmm. we worked as a family. Uh, I remember that my... Uh, mother-in-law helped her get a job. Like she took her around and made her apply to all these jobs. I could Mm -hmm. not have done that. Mm 
But mm-hmm. we as a family sat down with my the, her two grandmas and my husband and I, and we don't know what mm-hmm. to do because we want her to be independent, as independent yeah. as she can be. And so my mother-in-law just dragged her around and did that. And it was she wasn't mad at grandma for doing that. And mm-hmm. that kind of pushed her into, oh, I can work. I can go every day. Yeah. Maybe I do want to go back to school because mm-hmm. I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And it, and how would it be? To, you don't want to have a forty-year-old still living with you when you're retired. I mean, mm-hmm. that's you don't want to still be caring for one. And there are many, many people who have to do that because of the, because the child may be have some kind of neurological or biological sure. um, issue, and so they have to have them home. And that's that's a different subject. But I think for neurotypical kids, we need to teach them how to be independent and confident so that they can be competent in uh, in life and they can live their own life. Uh, I once said to my mom, I wish that uh, my baby, this my first baby, would stay a baby her whole life mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she's so easy to take care of and she's so beautiful mm-hmm. and I just love babies. They're just yummy. Mm-hmm. And my mom said, you know, honey, that that would be really nice, except for then you'd never let her grow. You'd never let mm-hmm. her learn what you got to learn. Mm-hmm. She said, just enjoy every minute and mm-hmm. it'll be okay. And I mm-hmm. that was really good advice. And I thought about that, yeah. especially for people who thought when their babies were babies, oh, I just love to have this little one around all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they're 40 and you're like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't get them <laughs> out of my house. And so I think it's really important to uh, help uh, especially our adult children, be um, be adults, be confident and uh, in in their abilities, and and feel like that they can reach out and that they have a safe base to come home to. Mm-hmm. You know, you lot talk about a safe base with little kids, but yes. really, um, those older kids they need a safe base to come home to. The fourteen mm-hmm. year old needs that. The sixteen year old mm-hmm. needs that. The thirty year old mm-hmm. needs a safe place mm-hmm. to come back and feel mm-hmm. like they're loved unconditionally. And that they can talk and work out, work things out um, with someone that will listen and loves and cares mm-hmm. about them. Yeah. Something I've been thinking about a lot lately is the concept of like the next smallest step, um, especially when you have kind of what feels like a very like just convoluted situation, you know, like like let's, you know, you've got this kid at 18 who's still living at home and like it's not like they just started doing that today like it's been going on for years right and I think sometimes people come to me and they they want advice or they go to their therapist and they just want like like you're saying I want it now right yeah and and you didn't end up there like overnight and so you're not going to change it overnight um and I liked what you were saying about the, the grandma like you know your child's grandma who like took her around to apply for job interviews and like, especially because, um, I don't know, like anxiety doesn't get easier the more, <laughs> the more you avoid the thing. And um, I do think this is actually a, a huge thing that when we talk about creating safety for children, we're not talking about letting them avoid whatever makes them feel discomfort, but it's like helping them take that next smallest step. And so like we've already named a few, but maybe kind of like cohesively here, like let's kind of rattle off a few like next small steps we could think of, like that one you just said about letting grandma take 
them around with the resumes or like, I don't know, what else do we got? Well, I think that, um, like, I, I'm thinking about that kid that's still in the basement and has been mm-hmm. like that for years. And the parents are like, mm-hmm. we don't know what to do. I think that mm-hmm. the next smallest step would would be for him is um, what is the next thing you're going to do? Like, let's go through mm-hmm. this. And is it you're going to apply for jobs? Mm-hmm. Is it you're going to pay rent? Uh, mm-hmm. What is the mm-hmm. next smallest thing that you could do? Well, mm-hmm. you can't pay rent unless you have a job. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, and so it's just, it builds on from one thing to the next. Because that mm-hmm. par- that parent may say, well, I c- I'll help them move out. I'll pay their rent so they'll move out. Well, that is not helping. Right. They'll, right. they'll uh-huh. just be in an apartment with a bunch of boys mm-hmm. on their computer in their bedroom, not mm-hmm. doing anything that you mm-hmm. want them to do. So, But you really need to start that next smallest step when they're young. Mm-hmm. Like those things like... Um, they don't, their, their clothes aren't clean. The clothes they want aren't clean. Well, you should have washed them. Like teaching mm-hmm. your kids how to do basic skills while mm-hmm. you're still there to help them. I probably mm-hmm. went through four washers because I taught my kids to, to wash when they were eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not very nice on washers, <laughs> but not all of my children can do their laundry. Yeah. And the ones that were married, married people who had never had, who'd never had to do their laundry till they moved out to go to college. And so Mm -hmm. they really weren't, they really didn't know. I mean, they were still making the mistakes my kids made when they were little. Mm -hmm. Like um, one issue that came up recently is um, help us meal plan. And I'm like, okay, I'll help you meal plan. But do you remember when you were growing up Mm -hmm. that we meal planned? Mm -hmm. And my two kids that have the, uh, I have two children that still do that. Yeah, we, Mm -hmm. yeah, you taught us how to meal plan because we planned the meals a week in advance with you, and then we cooked one. Mm-hmm. So everybody had a chance to cook. Well, mm-hmm. that also started about eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think you have to start doing things like having an allowance, or if you don't believe in allowances, because some families don't, mm-hmm. having jobs like um, that you normally wouldn't have kids do. Normal jobs that kids would do are like making their bed, cleaning their room, if they have their mm-hmm. own bathroom, cleaning their bathroom, but mm-hmm. like uh, maybe paying them to uh, weed or to um, mow the lawn or some mm-hmm. way to earn money and helping them learn how to budget their money mm-hmm. and and helping them understand that you can get what you want, but sometimes you have to save for a while to get it. Mm-hmm. And um, and talking about that instead of just giving them allowance, then sitting down with them and helping them see how do they want to spend their money and do they want to save it or do they want to spend it now? And watching a sibling be able to buy something like a bike <laughs> when they've gone and bought candy every time mm-hmm. is a huge is a huge lesson. And there might mm-hmm. be a lot of tears and fits, like how come she gets to do that and I don't? Mm-hmm. Well. Because she saved her money, she didn't buy candy. Well, mm-hmm. I shared my candy with her. Well, you may have shared your candy with her, but she, but she didn't buy candy. She mm-hmm. saved her money, and so I think that those little steps, that little next step, what what mm-hmm. can I do the next the next step to help my child learn the things they need to learn? I I think mm-hmm. about clothing, uh, having a budget for back to school shopping and saying mm-hmm. anything you want over that, you're going to have to pay for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, like I'll pay $30 for a pair of pants, but if you mm-hmm. want $100 pants, you're going to have to come up with the $70 difference because mm-hmm. you can't start school with just one pair of pants. Like you mm-hmm. have to put some parameters around that. 
And I think it's helping them figure out, okay, what are uh, the parameters that I have and how can I um, work within that? We, uh, I had my granddaughter last summer and we took her school shopping. Hmm. And uh, when we got done, she had done some things that I never would have done. <laughs> Mm. And I, we, my daughter and I were trying to coach her about it, and she was not hearing us. So I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, that's fine. And I was adding up in my head how much she was spending. Mm -hmm. And she, it was her money. It was her money. Mm -hmm. She'd earned it, and she spent it. And then she had super buyer's remorse. Mm. And we talked about when you're in the store, not like thinking about what you're spending and what do you want to spend on that pair of pants or that shirt. And we ended up um, taking some of the clothes back. Because mm -hmm. she didn't really, she was just the excitement of buying that. And maybe mm -hmm. she did want that outfit and she would have worn it. But she realized that she had just spent all the money she had. Mm -hmm. And so when she mm -hmm. went home, she'd have no money to spend if she wanted to buy something that was like more in style when school started. Yeah. And it was a really good lesson. And her mom is like, I can't believe you let her spend that money. And I said, I thought it was better for her to learn. Learn the mm -hmm. learn the lesson, and you know, she yeah. doesn't spend her money now like she used to. Like she mm -hmm. she works hard and she makes money, and mm -hmm. she's very careful about what she spends it on and what she saves because um, she says, "I remember that day, Grandma, and I don't want to buy something mm -hmm. that that I'm going to feel bad about buying." So mm -hmm. I think helping kids do those kinds of things. Like I didn't say I'm not going to go back to that store and take those clothes back. But we mm -hmm. sat down and problem solved, well, what could we do? Like, mm -hmm. you could sell them to mm -hmm. friends. You could, like, mm -hmm. we did problem solve. I didn't just say, well, we can take them back. But we problem solved mm -hmm. what she could do. And she thought about it for two days and then decided that she would go with me and take the clothes back that mm -hmm. she really didn't want. And so there she, there she got to have that skill of mm -hmm. returning something and, like, negotiating all of that. And I think those are the little next steps we need to think about with our kids mm -hmm. rather than, oh, I'll just go do it for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And once again, I mean, I'm hearing so much resonance about this, like, with all of our relationships where, you know, if if we've been in this, you know, partnership where our co-parent, like, is on the same page with us or we have this child is in the basement, like, it's just... It's all of this just sort of leaning into being willing to start to untangle those patterns, mm -hmm. right? Right. And like just sort of like be like, look, this is this is my limit. Let me know what you want to do about that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And that's that's really, really, really hard to lean into sometimes. But I think it's one of the best ways that we can build competence and we can build a sense of of yeah, of confidence in other people. Yeah, how can how can that eighteen year old in the basement ever really be confident? He might say he's mm -hmm. confident, but mm -hmm. really he's probably terrified. He's in the basement mm -hmm. playing video games. Mm -hmm. Maybe he doesn't even know that he there's yeah. a whole world out there that mm -hmm. he needs to take uh take part in. And maybe and maybe mom and dad talk about it and say, okay, you we're gonna give him three years, mm -hmm. but we're gonna have specific milestones along the way that mm -hmm. have to be met. Like mm -hmm. at the end of three years, you have to be out. But these are all the things and you have to show progress. And mm -hmm. like, uh, or maybe we're not going to give them any time. Maybe we're not going to do a time limit, but we're going to say, okay, we need to do all these milestones and you need to show progress. Mm -hmm. Because maybe at the end of that time, he's working full time. He's helping mm -hmm. around the house. He is paying a little bit of rent. 
he's helping with food, like, Mm -hmm. then that would be okay to have that kid in the house because he would be carrying his own. He's a part of the household. Yeah, right. Rather than being waited upon or taken care of. And Mm -hmm. I think that uh, more and more we have kids that are used to be being taken care of rather than Mm -hmm. taking responsibility for what needs to happen for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that helping someone become responsible and that's step by step, little, little tiny things by little tiny Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. Yeah. I thought a lot about, um, like when you're co-parenting with a a spouse Mm -hmm. that lives in the house with you and you have that opportunity to negotiate. I think that that's really, that's probably the ideal for every child. Mm-hmm. I think for divorce, you um, really need to put the work in so that you still have that relationship with that person mm-hmm. because your um, children are still your children and they shouldn't mm-hmm. be in the middle of that relationship ever. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, We've talked about this before, how my parents were divorced and my mom never mm-hmm. said anything bad about my father, mm-hmm. ever. And I could make my own. When I started having a relationship with him, I knew when he was lying to me because I knew mm-hmm. what my mom had. I had lived I had lived my life with my mom and I knew what had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's really important, especially when children are young, but even as even when they're older, my par- my husband's parents, he was an adult when they divorced, and it was really hard because there was some acrimony. Mm-hmm. And I think that to, to try not to have that in front of the children or with the mm-hmm. children is the most important thing you can do. Maybe at this house you get to do one thing and at this mm-hmm. other house you get to do another and not having mm-hmm. a fight. Like when you're at dad's, that's what dad's rules are. When you're at mom's, these are my rules. That mm-hmm. And that's okay. Dad can have his rules. Mom can have her rules. That it's not uh, always fighting. And sometimes dad might have different rules than mom has. And you can't make dad have the same rules you have. Or dad can't make mm-hmm. mom have the same rules. But mm-hmm. for the kids to understand that it's okay. Uh, like grandma has rules and mom and dad have rules. <laughs> and what yeah. happens at grandma's house is different. And and you might, and that might have to be how it is because that's mm-hmm. just um, how life is. But to try to be as pleasant as possible in those negotiations, um, and especially in front of the children, uh, but they probably know when you're not, even if you're not in front of the children. So working as hard as you can to uh, have a positive relationship so that they don't feel caught in the middle and they don't Mm -hmm. feel like they have to take a side. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, I think that that is the most important thing that uh, parents Mm -hmm. that don't live together can do is to try Mm -hmm. to uh, put aside their differences because they didn't get divorced because of the children, Mm -hmm. put aside those differences and figure out how to parent those kids in the very best way so that they can both be involved. And I have yeah. seen some families that have been able to do that. And it's hard. And there, it's hard to bite your tongue. Like sometimes you have to bite your tongue uh, and not say something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, for the sake of the children, for them to believe that they are still the most beloved person mm-hmm. in that relationship, which kids should feel mm-hmm. that way, I think is is really, really important. I really love that, that. 
making sure the child knows that they're the most beloved person. And <clears throat> I really love that. I love that saying, you know, that the child is the most beloved person. Like, I think this is the, the heart of all of it is that even as we are putting in those structures and those boundaries, um, whatever we need to be doing to like simply make things work, right? Right. Like that's always what it comes back to is how are we communicating that and how are we feeling that and emanating that? Um, it seems right. like I, sometimes it can feel like, like I'm not sure my child feels it for me because I'm like being the heavy or we're in this difficult situation with divorce or whatever. But I, I love that encouragement to focus on that. Uh, well, I, th- I think that uh, when push comes to shove and the end of the day comes, if you can have that those last few moments with your children as mm-hmm. positive as mm-hmm. possible, uh, I know mm-hmm. that that's not... I don't want anyone to go away from this podcast feeling guilty because mm-hmm. these are all hard, lofty things. Mm-hmm. But to make those last few moments as positive as possible um, so that they do feel that. You know, I used mm-hmm. to look at my children when they were sleeping and think of how much I loved them and how mm-hmm. I shouldn't get upset with what they do because mm-hmm. they're just these beautiful, lovely children. Mm-hmm. And when you put them to bed to feel that way, like, mm-hmm. yeah, all these things happen dur- during the day, but I love this child. Mm-hmm. And letting them know. I think that that they feel that and they know that and they mm-hmm. know that you might have yelled at them that day or they might have mm-hmm. been in trouble for something. But they they end the day with a hug and a kiss and really some heart, a heartfelt hug, I think, mm-hmm. makes a big difference for a child. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you as always. Oh, thank you, Michael. And I enjoy talking with you. So thank you. If this episode resonated with you, you can check out our free resilience handbooks and online learning at www.everydaystrong.org. These tools tell you exactly what you can do to help the kids in your life feel safe, connected, and confident. You can choose to create a relationship with your children that will help them to learn to be resilient, regardless of the challenges life throws their way.